Blog Talk Radio. Yo, what up? Night Owl. Nightmare Jones. What up, Wrestle Talk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, cause we got some more. Every Wednesday we here, keeping it raw. Night out, nightmare jokes, and all the best jets. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalksPodcast.com. Smashing and killing it like the night at a prom. about Brody Lee that hasn't already been said, but that's the comforting part. 
to see the outpouring, the incredible outpouring from all over the world, from the fans who respected Brody Lee to all the people in this business that he touched with his presence, his smile, his sarcastic wit, his levity. Brody liked to stir the pot. He liked to get guys all riled up just for the entertainment in the locker room. That's the kind of guy he was. He brought joy to the people around him. I had the privilege of spending over a decade with Brody on a journey from armories and bingo halls to packed arenas and stadiums. Brody loved being a dad. Husband and father above all else. This was just a job. He used to tell me about it all the time. Oh, it's great. You're going to love it. No, no, not for me. I like being able to do whatever I want. You know, stay out all night, order Chinese food at 2 a.m. He says, I wouldn't trade you for the world. And 2020 has hit us all hard over and over and over, some harder than others. But this, to give an analogy that I think Brody would like, is like a pride soccer-style kick right to the face of the pro wrestling community. But when I think of what I've learned over this year as the calendar turns over to 2021, when I think of Amanda and the kids, I realize that's exactly what pro wrestling is. It's a community. It's not just a sport. It is a community. When the chips are down, we support each other. We love each other. Men and women from all over the world brought together by this one thing that we love. And tonight we come together again to rage against the dying of the light, to celebrate a great human being whose legacy, I hope, inspires us all to be a little bit better of a person every single day, to appreciate the people we love around us every single day, to appreciate, stop and smell the roses every single sunset, every sunrise, every day. I know I will. Because every day is a gift. Every day is special. And every day that I got to spend with Brody was just all the more special. And I'm grateful for that. And I love you, brother. And I'll never forget you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the definition of a perfect celebration of life for the recently departed Brody Lee. We're not going to hit yeah. the 10-bell salute because that doesn't come across the radio very well, but um, we do have Nightmare Jones with us now. Joe, I know it's yeah. uh, I know it's super tough. I know, you know, Luke Harper, Brody Lee was a guy that kind of came up in your area. Uh, your thoughts, man, on the, on the, uh, the unfortunate passing of a guy who's just hitting his stride in the professional wrestling world in Brody Lee. Man, it it hit so so many people in so many different ways, and and not just those in AEW, but those in the WWE. And you know, it it was definitely hard watching these tributes because you know. Here is a guy that loved the sport of professional wrestling, and and he was also a guy that was looked up to by so many people, and you know he's going to be missed by by so many people, and you know it's just it, it's really really heartbreaking, you know what happened 
And, you know, I'm I'm just glad that, you know, for once, you know, the, the pro wrestling community was able to put away their, their differences and everybody was able to come together to honor this guy that not just loved pro wrestling, but loved his family more than anything. Um, I was watching a uh, a documentary, like a, a video that the WWE put out, and one of the guys, I think it was Big E, was was saying that that Brody Lee would finish his wrestling match, and then he would drive eight hours to go home just to be with his family, because he loved his family that much that he would, would drive all that way where everybody else was, was catching fights and going to the next show. He was driving all the way back home just so he could spend a little bit more time with his family. Everybody that, that ever has anything to say about Brody Lee says one thing, and that's how much of a family man that Brody Lee was. And you can tell by, you know, the way that AEW honored him and how they... They, you know, gave his son the uh, uh, TNT championship as well as already signed him to a contract. So it's freaking amazing, man. It really is. Well, definitely a step up from what we saw from WWE for sure. And in his honor, because we're going to go ahead and transition and get into the show, we just want to make sure that we cut out that time and paid our respects. But for those of you guys that are watching yeah. us live, and if you're not, we love you just the same. You guys probably saw me rolling up a piece of paper into a tube in an honor. And if you guys have been watching Being the Elite, you might not get this. But in honor of Brody Lee, this goes out to every member of the WrestleTalk family. <laughs> there you go. You guys just got hit with the paper in the face, just like the Dark Order. With that said, ladies and germs, we're going to go ahead and carry on in the spirit of Brody Lee with tonight's edition yep. of the WrestleTalk podcast. And, Joey, I know we got to get into Carl Lewis, but allow me just briefly uh, to thank I-70 Sports Media, Rat Bums Engraving, The Conspiracy Farm with Pat Milichis, UFC Hall of Famer, and our homeboy, Jay Hollywood, Royal Mills Transportation, Esports Bar KC, and the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion, the FWWC, and their podcast every Friday night at WrestleTalkPodcast.com, the FWWC Tonight. All that said, Hardcore Hoss, you know what to do. I'm going to ask everybody to respectfully remove their caps, place their hands over their hearts as we pay homage to the greatest country on God's green earth, and that's America, damn it. Oh, 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 say can you see and the rocket I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free. Boom. There you have it, Joey. I think it's time for us to move ahead with the show. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and move into the high spot segment. Hold Kohash, you know what to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank 
I don't need an introduction. I don't oh, need an introduction. Yes, Joe, how are we doing? So, so thoughtful of you to join us tonight. Yeah, I had to get some things off my chest because, uh, you know, we got a lot going on. And by the way, beautiful tribute. But, but Renee, Joe, I got a question for you, and I know your answer already. Did you see me beat Magnifico like a damn drum? Wait a minute. You went up against Magnifico? What? No way you beat him. With, no way you beat him without cheating. What? No way you beat him with without cheating. The, are you hearing this, Renee? <laughs> Drake Lee, you your put number it. one fanboy turn. Your number one fanboy turn against you. What are you gonna do now, homie? <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is goddamn ridiculous. You put it up on your Facebook feed and said I lost my mind. No. Here's what happened, Renee. Whenever people keep giving you crap because they're jealous, they want to be you. I mean, they call me the city on a hill for a reason, Renee. Am I wrong? Uh, I I would say that's fairly accurate. Fairly accurate. And you know what, Joe? I'm going to forgive you on this one because I I just – I think you got a lot going on, but there's still no reason you didn't watch – it was gold. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful – it couldn't have been better. I mean, did you see him squirm after I just beat him like a mule? It was wonderful, and guess what, Frank, Renee? Frank, I, listen, and, and I know, and I know we're up against it, but I have to say this: a lot of people on social are making the argument that you attacked him because you were too chicken to fight him. Is there any truth to that? Too, ch- we were, we 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 were on like we went like we were wrestling for thirteen minutes. I had enough. These people, they sat there, Renee, and if you would have watched the whole thing, see, you take a clip it, and you make a story like everyone else. It, it's, it's the typical fake news thing. It was 13 minutes of a match. I was beating them down the whole damn time, but this referee wouldn't count to three. It was getting ridiculous. These people called me names the whole time, and I told them. I told them before the damn match. I told them. You can call me whatever you want, but guess what they called me at the end of the match? They called me God, and that's what happened. And so after the referee didn't wasn't in position, Joe, how important is it for it to be in position? Very. Very, yes. Very. I sat hey. there. Right, Joe. One, two, three, four, five, and then all of a sudden he still kicks out. Okay, I had enough. I had enough, and sometimes when you have enough, you just have enough. And guess what, guys? Next month, or actually at the end of this one, the 30th, I'm going to do it again because I don't give a damn. What are they going to do? They've never had so many views. They can't get rid of me. What are they going to do, fire me for hitting somebody? This is wrestling. That's all I got to say. Good luck tonight. Lee out. I mean, you know, it's always so okay. Wonderful. First of all, Joe, I don't know what's up with you. Usually, Drake's your guy. All of a sudden, you just kind of gave him the cold shoulder. I, I don't know if he like, like, forgot to come and hang out with you so you guys could play Dungeons and Dragons together. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going Dude, on. But, he but said he beat Magnifico. You don't just beat Magnifico. Well, he, he had you have cheated. He. He literally beat Magnifico with anything he could get his hands on. And the fact that he decided to interrupt today's show is just uh, just another uh, – just, just further evidence of the disrespect of Drake Lee and 
the fact that he doesn't really care about what we have going on. He needs to put himself over. And you know what, Hoss? I right? do not need to talk. You can't, you can't just be letting the riffraff in like that, okay? You can't do it. Not on our time, dang it. <laughs> not on our time. That said, Fucking bullshit! Yes! <laughs> yes, exactly! Exactly what Iron Sheik just said. Exactly. So, you know what, guys? Let's go ahead and get into it. We want to engage with the, uh, the fam, with you guys. Uh, we're yes. going to do about 15 minutes of uh, the WrestleTalk Podcast High Spot segment, and we're going to talk about anything you guys want to. We're going to be discussing specifically New Japan Pro Wrestling with a little bit of help from somebody who was actually scheduled to come on, and that is the maestro of the microphone, the one and only Jeremy Carp. So, Hardcore Hoss, go ahead and hit that music as we kick off tonight's edition of the WrestleTalk Podcast High Spots segment. All right, man, man, oh, man, oh, man. So much stuff that we got to to talk about. I know that we got Jeremy coming on, um, you know, but the one thing that I wanted to talk about was last night was WWE's Legends Night on Monday Night Raw, and I got to say, I wasn't impressed. Um, There wasn't really anything in the show that really, truly impressed me except for the... uh, uh, how could you say the the friction that is building between Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander? There really wasn't anything I was really excited about. Like, you know, if it, it was just you know, I, I guess that the WWE thought that bringing in these old uh, attitude aggression wrestlers that it was gonna gonna jump the uh, ratings, but I don't really think that that probably helped them. I don't know if you got to see it, Renee, but I just wasn't impressed. I, I did, Joe, and, and you know what? I guess the, the tricky part is is that I I love the legends. I love the old school, and you know me. I'm yeah. still like a novice in, in the pro wrestling game, so I like it when they bring in some of the old school guys. I guess the part of it that was a little bit difficult for me that it wasn't really anybody you didn't expect, right? Like, we yeah. see Teddy fairly often. Uh, we see Booker T all the time in the lead-ups to pay-per-views. Um, they had uh, Mickey James up there as one of the legends. Did she have a match like three weeks ago? So they def- definitely didn't bring out the big guns. I-, I guess the idea of bringing the legends back always gets me excited, especially when Hulk Hogan is there. And Hulk Hogan did a pretty good job with what he was given. But no, Joe, honestly, bro, as far as the, the Wrestle Talk podcast rating scale, I'd probably have to give last night legend show, compared to some of the other legend shows that we've seen, only two and a half out of five super kicks, bro. That's about yeah. all I can do. I didn't think it was terrible because I do think that they're moving some storylines forward. I'm curious to see what happens with Charlotte and Asuka. I like the whole thing that they did with Ric Flair and Lacey mm-hmm. Evans. That was entertaining. I had a hard time, though, watching Peyton Royce go out and tag with somebody other than Billy Kay. It's like they broke them up only to put them <laughs> in awkward situations. You, you thought, hey, we're yeah. going to break up the Iconics. We're going to do something with this. But it, at least for now, it doesn't look like that's happening. I guess the saving grace for the show is when you have two amazingly talented guys in the main event 
Bobby, uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not Bobby Lashley, but um, uh, Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee was a, a fun match to watch. Whenever you get the hosses in there like that, I think we need to see more of it. No disrespect to the High Flyers. I'm a big fan of the High Flyers, Joe. But whenever you get the big guys to be able to battle like that, it, it's pretty awesome. So when you see that, I, I guess to me that that was good enough to make the show watchable. And then I'm also somewhat, and you're, I may get booed out of the room here, but I enjoy Riddle and the goofiness that he that he brings yeah. uh, to his character and to the screen. And to see him engaging mm-hmm. with Big Show and then to see him get that surprise win over Lashley in a fairly creative yeah. finish where he tapped out. I mean, I don't know. Some people would say that's not creative at all. I, I thought it was kind of unique and creative. And, uh, and it puts Riddle in a really good position moving forward. So they progressed with storylines. They gave us some legends, not necessarily the ones that we wanted. And they kept uh, Randy Orton strong as the top heel in the company yeah. right now. So, like I said, two and, I, a half I, out of, two and a half out of five, it could have definitely been better. But I still enjoyed it, Joe. I'm not going to lie. I still enjoyed the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I and, and, you know, it, it, it wasn't bad. It's just I just wasn't really thoroughly Im- impressed by anything, and especially the ending. The ending, like, got me, and, and dude, my wife doesn't really watch pro wrestling, and she was even mad when Gobo came out and challenged <laughs> Drew McIntyre right. for the heavyweight title. Joe, she was even mad. Joe, listen, she looked at I'm me and said... I'm going to do you a favor. What's that? Go ahead, finish what you were going to say, but I'm going to do you a big favor right after. She looked at me, and, and, and I, I kid you not, she said, why the hell is Goldberg coming out there? I thought that Goldberg had retired. I was like, I was like, exactly, exactly. It didn't make any sense. Makes me so mad, so mad. You know, the, the one thing, I'll, I'll leave it at this. The one thing that I find interesting is it's most likely going to be a squash uh, in favor of Drew. Um, I, I, some people are making the argument that, that, that uh, Goldberg is going to win the title. I got a hundred bucks that says otherwise. Anybody who's manning up, a hundred bucks that says Drew McIntyre retains. And I got another twenty that says he does it within three minutes of the start of the match. But we'll leave that for another time. Here's the favor I'm going to do you, bro. We don't have to talk about it because we've got really, really, really great wrestling to talk about. Because unless you've been sleeping under a rock and you're not on social media or something like that, wrestling fifteen. Sleeping? But, Who the hell is sleeping? How the hell can you sleep? When Wrestle Talk comes on at when uh, Wrestle Kingdom comes on at two o'clock in the freaking morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do have the replay, Joe. Just so you know, you do not have to stay up and watch it live. I've been trying to, and I've been catching the first couple of matches, and then honestly zonking out. But man, the Maestro is here, and he is going to join us, ladies and gentlemen. The Maestro of I seventy Sports Media and one of our newest co-hosts to the show here on Wrestle Talk Podcast, Amigos. One and only Jeremy Carp. What is up? Oh, music. Wow, wow. they music. got me music. Wow. I'm used to getting the music. Oh, shit. Awesome. You know, doesn't, this, doesn't this feel so much better to have Jeremy Carp on than to have Drake Lee on, Renee? Doesn't it feel so much better? Joe, did you bump your head? I thought you loved Drake Lee. What the hell is wrong with you? Well, wait a minute. Either he's pandering to me or he's just... Oh, my God! (laughs) It makes no sense! Oh, 
are you guys doing? We are doing absolutely wonderful. I finally able was able to get a little bit of sleep. I didn't have to get up at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, uh, let me tell you, for an insomniac, staying up that late to watch Wrestle Kingdom was no tall task for me. No. Oh, there you go. That's nice. Well, from what I understand, Jeremy, we got about uh, eight, ten minutes before we bring on our first featured guest of the evening, the one and only, the renowned wrestling personality and photographer, Scott Romer. I'm very, very excited that he's going to be joining us. But, man, you stayed up and did kind of the hard work for the WrestleTalk family, and, and, and you have a little bit of a recap of what you've been seeing with Wrestle Kingdom, kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, bro. So why don't you go ahead and drop knowledge on us? Yeah, so I'll admit, okay, for people that don't know, Wrestle Kingdom is basically the WrestleMania of New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is, it is. considered in the whole world of wrestling the pinnacle of wrestling events. And I'm just going to be honest with you both. Wrestle Kingdom 15 did not disappoint one bit. Even in the era of the COVID-19 pandemic and the issues with the virus that are being dealt with in Japan, over 20,000 fans came out for the two-night event known as Wrestle Kingdom 15. Well, Jeremy, it, it doesn't surprise me. And I know that the show, it had a different feel, right? Like, people weren't allowed to shout, but they were able to make noise. Can you can you tell us a little bit about it? I know uh, Brian Kelly, not Brian Kelly, um, Kelly, Kelly, the, the ring announcer, uh, not the ring announcer, the commentator. Help me, Kelly. Is, is, it, is it Brian Kelly? No, it's not Brian Kelly. From Ring of Honor, come on, guys. Kevin, me out here. Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly, yes. Hey, shout out to Brian Kelly of Missouri Wrestling Revival. We love you. And Kelly Kelly <laughs> for everywhere else. I mean, I'll give her a shout out. <laughs> yeah, Marissa. You got to relax, my guy. <laughs> oh, man. All right. But I guess my question was, what did you make of the crowd reaction compared to what we've seen in the past? Because it was definitely different, right? Yeah, I mean, because... It definitely had a different feel to it, a different vibe to it, because the Wrestle Kingdom, like I said, the Wrestle Kingdom events are the pinnacle, and so crowd reactions are the loudest. Everyone's the most excited at these events. It was definitely more mellow, and main a big reason, like I said, there was only 20,000 fans, but guess what? That sure as hell beats just having a bunch of fans on video screens at the Thunderdome, so... In that regard, 20,000 was still – it was still an amazing crowd. And, guys, if you don't mind, I got to tell you about some of the matches that they got to witness. Okay. Dude, absolutely. And, and if I may, could you potentially start with the tag match? Because a lot of people may or may not know this. One of my favorite tag teams – I say my, my top five favorite active tag teams. I don't know if they're number one or number five. But I love G.O.D., man. I love the Gorillas of Destiny, man. Can you talk to us a little bit about that tag team matchup? Well, it was the third match of night one. And the G.O.D.'s, Tamatanga and Tangaloa, it was for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. And they were going up against Suzuki Gun, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taichi. And let me tell you, I mean, it was a back-and-forth battle, but your boys, the G.O.D., 
became the new tag team champions. Yeah, that wow. glove. Tell them about the glove, Jeremy. <laughs> I loved it. Oh my god! It was definitely the glove was definitely another one of the highlights from the first night of the of the show for sure. But there is so many others, and I know since we're pressed for time, I got to delve into what actually really kicked off the whole show, and that was the New Japan Rumble, and this led to yes. one of the best parts of night two. Yes. So no, one of the guys that that actually made it. Tonight, too, didn't even get into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. can I make the Wrestle Talk connection here, real quick? Can I, can I, okay, so I'm going to make the Wrestle Talk connection real quick. Number one, we've had Chase Owens of the Bullet Club on the show, who I yeah. believe made it to, we, we, had, we had him uh, on about two years ago. He made it tonight, too. And then also, Tony Cuzina um, runs. He runs Bad Luck Fale's training school out in the islands, out in the Pacific. So there was some Wrestle Talk ties last night in NJ. I mean, not, the over the last two nights in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I got to do a little bit of a brag there because it was really, really cool to see those guys that we have a connection with here on the show. But go ahead, Jeremy, continue. <laughs> I mean, you gotta love when the Wrestle Talk podcast is technically being represented out in Japan. You just gotta love it. Yes. Um, okay, so anyway, like I said, it was the first match. It was on the pre-show of night one of Wrestle Kingdom, and it was what's known as the New Japan Rumble. For those that aren't familiar with it, there are four different ways to be eliminated from the match. Um, so it's not your typical just battle royal where we throw you over. So you can be eliminated by either a pinfall, a submission, a disqualification, or, like I said, the standard of throwing the opponent over the top rope. Now... The final four participants of the of the New Japan Rumble advanced to the four-way match for the new King of Pro Wrestling Championship, which is a little interesting to bring up because it's not – the King of Pro Wrestling is a concept that was created this year in New Japan, but it's not, it's, it's not a title belt. It's just a provisional, I guess, title, but just not the belt. If that makes you mean any like, bit uh, like of sense. King of the Ring. Like King of the Ring, like right. that sort of thing? Exactly. It's like a King of the Ring type thing where it's just the okay. accolade without the gold around the waist. And it was a new concept created in about August of this year by New Japan. And so they figured, what the hell? Let's unveil it at Wrestle Kingdom. So here we go. And the final four of the Rumble were Toru Yeah, excuse me, Toru Yano, Bad Luck Fail. Bushi, and, of course, everyone's favorite, Chase Owens. And we're going to flash forward to those four on night two, and which was also the, which was the third match of night two, might I add. It was the four-way match. And Toru Yanu defeated the three, won the match and became the king of pro wrestling for 2021, the inaugural king of pro wrestling for 2021. That is, that is very, very cool. And, and, again, just to give you guys an example, if you guys think of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal type thing, it ends up being something like that, except it's not accompanied by a trophy or a belt. Well, Jeremy, here's what I want to do, bro. I'm looking at the time. 
Uh, Scott is ready to go, so we want to make sure that we respect his time. But if you're able, would you be willing to join us at the top of the uh, of the hour so we can continue to have uh, our recap of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 15? Are you going to be available in about 30 or 40 minutes? I will be here. Awesome, bro. We'll catch you on the other side then. All right, catch you guys soon. See ya. Awesome. The maestro, ladies and gentlemen. Can we get a round of applause? Can we please? Pause. Can we please? Get a round of applause for the one and only Maestro Jeremy Carp. He did good. He did good. We got a lot more to come. Well, Joe, you know what, bro? It's about that time to get into our first featured yeah. interview of the evening. Why don't you go ahead and do the honors and introduce this gentleman? Oh my goodness, this 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 next gentleman. He's been a photographer for the past 50 years. He's witnessed boxing, professional wrestling, and world events just through the lenses of his of his his camera. He's been a wrestler, a manager, a boxer, a television commentator, a corner man. You know, he's been praised by ministers, presidents, personal prize winners, actors, actresses, uh, and even members of the Yakuza. I'm going to have to ask him about that. I'm going to uh, have to ask him loud, about... Bro. Don't say that too loud. That's serious stuff right there. Right? Yeah. Wow. Man, I, it's just, ladies and gentlemen, it is our honor to bring on the one and only professional wrestling personality, Scott Romer. What's going on, sir? Play that music. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Uh, uh, my man, I'm I'm doing very good. I'm very excited to do this interview. Thank you so much for having me as your oh, guest. We are we are excited to have you, sir. We are definitely excited to uh, have you on 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 this 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 the uh, uh, show. You know you you've been in the uh, uh, photographer for, for nearly fifty years. Uh, how did you get into photography? Well, you know, I always had a fascination with cameras. As a little kid, I always saw uh, uh, professionals taking pictures. The cameras had all these buttons, and I always wanted to know what it was all about. But I started out back in the 60s. I had a Kodak Instamatic camera, and, and the camera... Um, uh, had a little drop-in cartridge. It was called 126 film, and then I'd take the pictures and get them developed, and they were pretty good from the time I picked up my camera. Um, and, and really, my life hasn't changed that much since. I'm still taking pictures at wrestling shows. That is absolutely awesome. You know, I, I definitely have respect for, for those that, that take the uh, pictures at the wrestling shows because, you know, Sometimes they end up getting right in the middle of the action, and I'm sure there's been many times where you've been right in the middle of the action at a wrestling show. 
Oh, yes. Um, some of the older legends that I used to photograph regularly, you've got the Sheik, Bruiser Brody. He would swing a chain. Uh, the Sheik mm-hmm. would chase me around the ring. Uh, he had some legendary matches with guys like Dick the Bruiser, Sailor Art Thomas, yes. Mark Levin, Lewin, um, and, um, you know, I never tried to get in the way. Uh, a lot of times they would slip out, and, um, you know, uh, I felt like I was part of the action. But um, I, I, I never wanted to get in the way of the TV camera or, uh, or the wrestlers while they're performing. For sure. For sure. Um, you know, as, as I was digging through my uh, uh, information on on you in, in your career in pro wrestling and, and whatnot, uh, one of the things is I, I believe you have stories about the uh, hardcore wrestler Onita and oh, yes. stabbing. Yes. Um, uh, back in um, 1990, this was two years after Bruiser Brody was brutally murdered by Jose Gonzalez. I got a phone call from my Japanese agent, uh, Jimmy Suzuki, and he uh, told me he wanted me in Puerto Rico to help him with the wrestling shoot, and um, he didn't really tell me what it was all about, and uh, he sent me a ticket, round-trip ticket, and um, I flew out to Puerto Rico, and I was picked up in a limousine with Onita and Jimmy Suzuki, and we traveled down to the uh, w- WWC. Is it WWC? What is what is the name of that group? Uh, I think um, it's three W's. I think it's yeah, three okay. W's. Yes, yes, yes. Owned by owned by Carlos Colon. Colon. Um, yep. Um, Victor Quiones and uh, Jose Gonzalez. So um, they never told me anything. As soon as I got out of the car, I entered a building. And who am I greeted face-to-face with? Jose Gonzalez. I had no idea what I was in for. So um, um, they were doing TV interviews at the time. And then um, this was at their TV studio. And um, all the wrestlers had left. And uh, then um, um, it was just leaving me and Onita and Gonzalez and the uh, uh, Puerto Rican wrestlers. I apologize. I'm ahead of myself. I'm, I'm ahead of myself. So let me start all over. I was, um, it, it, again, it was 30-something years ago, so I'm um, lacking a little bit of the wrong. memory of the whole thing. Hey, Scott, but, no, no worries. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast, and I'm only 36, so don't feel bad. <laughs> Okay, so so um, um, this was not uh, filmed for TV. Um, I, I photographed an angle of, uh, of a contract signing for Jose Gonzalez to um, travel to Japan to wrestle for Onita's group. And um, they, they did the typical contract signing, the... Um, uh, Puerto Rican wrestlers attack Gonzalez, um, including Jose Gonzalez, and um, uh, we we took the work pictures, and um, then everybody left the studio, just leaving uh, uh, me and Onita and Jimmy Suzuki, 
and Victor Quinones and a few other Japanese photographers that were there. Uh, and then um, um, Gonz- or Onita starts to gig his stomach. He had already gigged his head for the pictures uh, of the Puerto Ricans beating him up, but uh, then he, when everybody left, he, he started to gig his stomach. And he didn't get a whole lot of blood. I was taking pictures of the whole thing. Uh, but there was a lot of blood dripping on the floor from the um, worked um, gig marks on his head. And uh, there were some puddles of blood, and I knew what he was trying to do. So I said, um, why don't you just take the blood, scoop it up, and, and put it on your chest like, like what you're trying to make it look like. He was trying to make it look like he was stabbed. And um, I'm, I'm photographing, but I'm also noticing that none of the other Japanese photographers were taking any pictures. It was only me. Uh, so I'm taking the pictures, and then uh, and Onita's rolling around the floor, looking like he's in excruciating pain, holding a stomach. And um, one of the Japanese photographers pulls the fire alarm, and that brought... The uh, an ambulance, a fire truck, and the police, oh, and they detained me, and they wanted to know what I saw, and I didn't, you know, I I told them I didn't see anything, you know, I, I played dumb, and um, they they put Onita on a stretcher. I'm still taking pictures of all this going on, and he was sent to a hospital, and the. Um, a uh, limousine took us to the hospital where Onita was in a um, in, in a room, and um, he was. Ba- the The doctor said you don't need any stitches. You know it's not severe enough of a wound, and Onita begged the guy to to at least put one stitch in, and he did. And then uh, I gave the film to Jimmy Suzuki, who flew out right after that to Miami to send it to Japan. And the very next day, uh, I was with Onita, and we get a um, a fax from Japan, and it's on the front page of the Japanese newspaper uh, as though Onita had been actually stabbed. The press didn't know that, it was a, that, uh, that he wasn't really stabbed. So it went on on in, in in the newspapers as though it was a real stabbing, blaming it on on Gonzalez, which totally outraged um, the 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 whole country. You know, they're thinking, how can this guy get away with it? He already killed our hero Bruiser Brody. Now he's trying to kill Onita, who was a hero in Japan, and. Um, we hung out in, for a couple of days in Japan. I went. Oh, I went to a uh, spot show in in Puerto Rico. I, I drove out there with uh, with uh, Togo. Do you remember or Pogo? Pogo, Mr. Pogo, yes. who was a uh, Japanese wrestler. We drove to a spot show, and I'm in the the uh, Japanese who were heels in Puerto Rico. I'm in the Japanese dressing room, Japanese American dressing room. And I get a uh, message from uh, one of their photographers. Uh, his name was Eddie Grice, Fast Eddie Grice. 
and he says, Jose Gonzalez wants to see you El Pronto. So I followed him into Jose's dressing room, and Jose's got a towel around his hand, around his wrist and hand, the same way he did it uh, to to uh, Brody. He had a towel wrapped around his hand with a knife in it, and that's when he stabbed Brody. And he takes me to the shower area, and my heart is pumping. I'm wondering what the hell is going on. And he goes, hey, how how?" He says, I hear you. I, I, I heard all about you. You were married to Dick the Bruiser's daughter, and I told him I was. He says, uh, in 1969, I used to work for Bruiser. Okay, that's great, you know. Um, I'm divorced now, I told him. And uh, he said, um, how did you like the angle? Oh, and I said, man, that was great. And they took him to the hospital, and he got one stitch. And Jose looks at me, he says, what do you mean, amigo? And I just left the dressing room. He didn't know that they went that far as doing the sta- stabbing angle part of it. And um, later on, I, I hear from um, I'm, I'm talking to Stu Hart at, at a WrestleMania, and I'm you know I had done a couple Stampede wrestling shows, so I'm I'm talking to him, asking him how he's doing, and I told him about the uh, Onita stabbing thing. And he says, oh, yeah, um, I, I heard all about that. And he said he had heard that that was to lure Jose Gonzalez to Japan where the Yakuza was going to take care of him and make him disappear. And um, wow. that, that set me off on edge for a while. And, and through a uh, wrestling website called Kayfabe Memories, I reached out to Jose to tell him about my standings in that angle, that I really didn't have any idea what they were going to do. Because I um, um, I don't know if it was a rib or whatever, but they were telling me that, um, you know, that, uh, you know, that I could be hurt for doing that. They could make me disappear. So um, I reached out to Jose and, and, and told him the whole thing uh, through kayfabe memories and, um, and I guess the rest is history. Now, a couple weeks later, I get a, 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 a gong magazine, and it's got the whole stabbing angle in, in the magazine. And, and that's in my book. I, I, I put that, uh, I copied that and put, put it in my book, the stabbing angle um, collage or, or uh, yeah, the collage that they did with my photography in gong magazine. So it, it went down in as uh, probably one of the worst angles in the history of professional wrestling. And uh, it, it was um, Wrestling Observer's um, worst angle of the year for 1990. So that's my Jose Gonzalez stabbing angle story. Scott was right in the middle of it. That is crazy. That I'm is sorry? absolutely insane. That is probably one of the most insane stories we've ever heard on the podcast. <laughs> well, awesome. if you want to see some of the pictures that are mine, um, just Google uh, infamous Onita stabbing angle, and uh, there, there are several articles about it. And um, it, it was mentioned in the um, – um, 
what what is it? The access was it access? T- no, no, Viceland, Vi- Vice TV, on the uh, Beyond the uh, Ring Beyond the series, and um, yeah, it was it was mentioned. Or Dark uh, Side of the Ring. Dark Side yeah. of the Ring, yes, the Bruiser Brody yeah. one, right? But um, which which I provided for Vice TV the um, marquee picture, and that was the one of uh, Brody swinging his chain, and it, it it gives me a little tiny photo credit, uh, and and that uh, set off the uh, was used as the marquee for all the um, Dark Side of the Ring series for for uh, that year. Wow. What a freaking story. Uh, Man. (laughs) Renee, I know that you have a bunch of questions, so why don't you come in here with whatever questions that you have, sir? You're asking me to ask? Oh, okay. I I thought you were asking me. me. That's me, Scott. I I got you. Uh, Okay, I'm supposed to be answering them. No, no worries. Well, for the sake of clarification, for those who don't know, uh, so Scott, when he mentioned Yakuza, Yakuza is what you would think of when you think of like the Chinese triad, or uh, or or like or like uh, like FS13, or like ja- Japanese, no Japanese, right, right. Japanese. Japanese. I don't know if Yakuza refers to Chinese people, but it no, 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 uh, no, definitely no, refers no, to God. the Japanese. No, what I'm doing is uh, giving examples of what the Yakuza is in Japan. In comparison to like the Italian mob in America, or uh, the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico, or even uh, the triads in, in China, I'm just giving an example for people who don't know who Yakuza is. So if you're getting messages from them, it was pretty darn serious. I just want to make sure everybody was aware who and what Yakuza is. That's why I told Joe, hey, don't say that too loud <laughs> because that's serious stuff right there. So I just wanted to make sure I clarified that now. As far as my question, uh, here's the first one. The first thing that stuck out to me was the amount of time that you've been doing this. Clearly, okay, clearly you've had some interesting times and some incredible stories to tell. But I guess ultimately my question is, what has kept you engaged and in love with the sport of professional wrestling for pretty much the majority of your life? I'm curious to know. Where that comes from? Where did you find that affinity and love for the sport of pro wrestling? Well, it shows you and the rest of the world that I have no life. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, um, as a uh, as a child, I was I was diagnosed as being hyper hyperactivity, and um, you know I couldn't sit still, so. I used to see a shrink when I was seven, eight, nine years old, and uh, he suggested that I go to wrestling shows. Now, I, I always loved wrestling when I was a little kid, and I did. And I, the first thing I learned to do was turn on the TV and, and flip the station, and I could remember um, watching the interviews on the black and white TV of the wrestlers yelling at each other and telling them what they were going to do. And it was just like the bully on, on the playground. I'm going to beat the crap out of you, blah, blah, blah. And that was something that I could relate to. And it just stuck, stuck with me. And um, when I was um, 
nine, I was telling you about my Instamatic camera. I used to take that to the wrestling shows and run up to the ring as cl- and get as close as I could and, and take a picture, and they were really good. And um, it was just something I fell in love with. And to this day, I still love wrestling. I don't follow it like I used to. Um, I don't agree of everything like I used to. You know, I mean, uh, these, these crazy uh, suicide dive moves that they do. You know, you you don't see that happening in a real fight. You know what I'm saying? But you do see chairs flying in a real fight and fists punching and, and kicking and biting. And that's the way it was in the old days. Well, you're absolutely right. And, and it most definitely has changed. And it sounds like, even though it's changed, you still found a way to stay in love with it. And not only have you done that, uh, Scott, you've also found a way to give back. I know you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but you did take pen to paper and put uh, a book out. Uh, and it's, I, it's I called... did, but <laughs> I, I do have a book. And, um, you know, uh, getting back to how I got started, my, my pictures were good enough to be published in Bill After's magazine. I have dozens of covers I did for him in the in the uh, 80s. Um, and that was uh, uh, at a time where it was unlike no other era. 1983, 84, and 85, those were my peak years. And I worked, and I work to this day, I still do it. When I when I do it now, it's just to practice on my film on my camera. You know, it's like sharpening a knife. You, you, right. you, I, I do it uh, uh, to to test my reaction, to test my skill, and um, because there's not really any money in it anymore. You know what I mean? Um, back in the day, um, and and there's a picture of it in my book. Uh, there there's um, uh, a, a check for $1,200 in my book, and that was for working just for Gong Wrestling Magazine. It came from Japan. And um, um, Gong Wrestling Magazine was also um, the, the press and the, the um, TV stations and all that other stuff. They're all owned by the Yakuza. So in retrospect, you could say I, I was paid by the Yakuza, uh, for from my years of work in in having my pictures published in the Japanese magazines. Okay, that definitely makes you sound way more badass. Like I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say right now, <laughs> that definitely makes you sound way cooler. Yeah, I worked with the Yakuza man. That's awesome. What what else do you discuss in the book? Because you've done stuff outside of professional wrestling. Can you can you sprinkle a little bit of that stuff in? Because you have had the opportunity to be around and interact with all kinds of memorable personalities that, that that people would know outside the pro wrestling world. Can you talk to us a little bit about that stuff, Scott? I, I, I sure can. And if you go to my – if you do buy my book, which is available on Amazon, My Life on Both Sides of the Camera, uh, you will see that I have ties to the uh, mafia <laughs> proof. You'll, you will see that uh, I, I am the official photographer – for the National Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame in Chicago. Now, they call the mafia in Chicago the outfit, and I've been working with them for um, – I'm not going to say that the the members are are mafia, 
but uh, you could say that they have some connections, if you know what I mean. And I've been working with them. I've been working with them since the 90s. I, I, I was the official photographer for a gentleman by the name of George Randazzo, and he got me jobs all over the country. I got jobs working with the president of the United States. And there are pictures of me walking with him. And, and oh, if you go to my website, Scott, Scott Romer, R-O-M-E-R, not, not website, my, my Facebook page, my um, main profile picture is, a, is, is me working with, uh, uh, walking with, with President uh, uh, George H.W. Bush. And I had Secret Service clearance to get that close and work with them and take photo ops with some of the dignitaries that were there. I've worked with Sophia Loren. Um, um, there's just so many of them, so many celebrities, um, too many to, to – let's see. i got to get my book out of them. Well, um, can, I ask you about one, can I ask you about one in particular? And this is totally selfish. The, the wrestling listeners of the show – will have to forgive me. I grew up on the Brady Bunch, and when I saw that you had some uh, interaction with Lawrence Henderson, who played the mom in the Brady Bunch, I knew I had to ask you about that, Scott. What was that like, man? She's a legend. Well, if you look at that picture, she's in her uh, bathrobe as well. But um, Flores Henderson and Jim Neighbors came to um, – uh, Indianapolis back in 1974-75, there was a big outdoor theater on the Butler University campus called Starlight Musicals. So they did a performance there. And um, somehow or another, David McLean of Glow fame, who was my best friend in grade school and high school, uh, he and I were able to get backstage and meet Jim Neighbors and Florence Henderson. So um, we both got our pictures taken with both of them, and uh, I'll never forget how nice that um, Florence Henderson smelled. And um, she was very—they they were both very, very nice. Um, I think Jim Neighbors may have wanted to do a little more than shake my hand, but. Um, <laughs> experience but um you know i've i've worked with or met robert downey jr um there there are just so many i've got in in my book along with the stories there's more than 250 pictures um featuring a lot of the the celebrities as well as my my wrestling and boxing career and i have i i um uh, as a quick note, I've got the same experience and the same story in the world of professional boxing, where I have been able to travel around the world and work with some of the famous fighters. Um, you know, I've, I've met Muhammad Ali on numerous occasions, George Foreman, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, and um, uh, most of the stars from the... Um, 80s and 90s. I worked in a boxing office where we promoted um, uh, boxing shows. Um, F and F Burns Boxing, Fred Burns. 
So we were more or less a stepping stone. We 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 built up fighters' records, and then um, once they had a decent record, uh, we sent them overseas where they could make a lot of money, but they were also more likely to lose those matches. But they made money, so it was all a money thing. You can be a champion, but if you're not making any money, what's it matter? You know what I'm saying? Hey, Joe, I feel like yep. I want to start another podcast and just, like, like talk about everything not wrestling-related because you know how much I love boxing and history. Man, that, that's <laughs> – Scott, you, sir, I feel like we're just scratching the surface, and I don't want to be selfish. So, Joe – Let's go ahead and throw back over to you with any other questions you might have because we got to respect Scott's time here. So why don't you take over, buddy? I, absolutely. I just have one more question, and and uh, and then we can get in into the uh, uh, shoot and shout segment. My question is apparently from what I've heard, uh, you've had a run-in with the Israeli intelligence. We got to hear this story. Okay. I was the uh, personal photographer for Johar Abu Lashin. He was a uh, Arab fighter. When he came to the United States, um, he was called uh, just Johar Lashin, not, and, and they left out the Abu. And um, he came into the he, – he entered the ring – uh, waving the Israeli flag, which is a no-no to the Arabs. But he flew me to Israel, uh, Nazareth, Israel, where um, where he fought uh, uh, another good friend of mine, an American, and I was with the entourage of uh, Craig Houck. He fought Craig Houck um, in, in Nazareth, Israel, and... Um, um, we had a meeting with Yasser Arafat, and Yasser Arafat was going to promise to build Johar Abu Lashin um, a, a gym for him to train out, train. And he said, uh, you are one of us, meaning you're not to go to the ring and wave the Palestinian flag, I mean, wave the, Ameri- wave the Israeli flag. Um you are one of us. But anyhow, um, so they, they had the match. I waved the American flag. You could, if you go to YouTube, uh, they did a movie called Raging Dove, uh, which I'm in many, many scenes in that movie documentary. Um, but um, when we went, got to the airport, I was pulled out of line. And um, um, they took me to a room, the Israeli security at the airport. The girl that pulled me out of the line didn't look to be more than 14 years of age, but obviously she was older than that. You know, they, had, they, they have uh, machine guns. Uh, all, all the security there have, have machine guns. So I went back there, and they wanted to know what I was doing in Israel. And I told him about uh, the fight. I told him about Johar Abu Lashin, that I was doing the pictures. They didn't know who he was. Um, and they were going to detain me longer where I was going to miss the plane. 
And uh, I looked through my luggage, and I found the newspaper article of, of Johar winning the fight, as well as a picture of Johar when he met the um, Israeli president of the United of, of Israel, uh, Azul Weitzman, I think his name is. And that was the thing that let them let me go. But um, that that's how I got detained at the airport. Here I am, a Jew on my passport, um, <laughs> hanging around, you know, the you know, in in uh, Nazareth on the Arab side of the uh, area. So um, wow. I um, another thing that I've got in the book is. When I went to Israel, I gave the Palestinian children a poster from my photo show. Uh, it was called Down the Count, and it was a boxing photo show. And um, I had a beautiful picture of a boxer knocking out another boxer, and um, um, I gave it to the kids. And at that show, they had put that on a big piece of wood, and they were carrying it around with the American flag on top. So I was over with the um, Arab community who are supposed to not like Jewish people. Or Americans. <laughs> right, right. So that's so wild. that's in my that's in that that picture is in my book as well. Well and, and Joe, let me jump in here if you don't mind. Let me remind everybody that is when it was my life on both sides of the camera. Scott, I want to make sure uh, that, that we do the right thing here and respect your time. Uh, but I want to say a couple of things before you go. So, number one, wow. <laughs> Dude, like, so we did our research, but it feels like we didn't do a very good job because that, that was only 20 minutes, and I'm sure uh, that we could have gone an hour. Uh Shout out to Herb Simmons, by the way, who's on the live uh, Facebook broadcast, saying, "Renee, you have no idea. You're not, he, he said you're speaking to a man that has dined with kings and queens. So, what I would like to request is that in the very, very near future, you join us again, because I feel like we have so much more to talk about. And, and then number two, allow me and Joe to welcome you in as the newest members of the Wrestle Talk family." It, we, we consider ourselves to be kind of an extension of the Cauliflower Alley Club type deal. Not officially, obviously, but we love the pro wrestling community, the new, the, 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 you know, the, the future, the past, and we like to honor it by having people like you on the show. So will you join us again and welcome as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family, sir? Incredible, well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of a community of uh, wrestling enthusiasts like you guys. And um, uh, when I do talk shows like this, it uh, builds up my enthusiasm and it makes me want to go and shoot a show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would love to talk a another time. Uh, you know, I've got a, a wrestling career. I've, I've wrestled and uh, managed for, and, and, and still do on occasion. So it's still in my blood and I'm glad it never left me. And we're glad you never yeah. left us, Scott. We're glad you never left us, man. Right on, my brother. Now, are you guys going to be at uh, CAC? God willing, I will be there. Joe, what about you? 
Uh, yes, I'm going to do my best. I was supposed to be at uh, last year's uh, CAC, but, uh, you know, with, with with the coronavirus, it just it just ne- never happened. And I was really, really bummed about it, so I'm doing my best to be there this year. Well, I've got to uh, uh, reactivate my airplane ticket that uh, uh, was canceled through the cancellation. But... Um, uh, have you guys been there before, uh, and, and have we met before? We, we would no. both be first-timers. Okay, it, it will be something you won't be disappointed, just to be around all the legends. And it's a good networking setup as well. Um, and you could do some live interviews there. But anyhow, um, I'd love to be your guest again. Thank you so much for having me on. Herb, thank you for putting me over. And um, um, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you again sometime, okay? Yeah, sounds great. You absolutely absolutely got it. And I will say, just so people know that we're not just uh, blowing smoke here, we didn't get a chance to ask you, Scott, about your interactions with Bobo Brazil. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk to you about your friendship with David McLean, who who was nice enough to join us on the show. We actually had a chance to talk to his boss, Jeannie Buss. Right on. Uh, previously, right? Uh, I see you have a picture with Cahagas, and Joe's got a running beef with Cahagas. So I'd love to ask you about that. And then, of course, pictures with Harley Race and Larry Matisak. And, dude, I cannot wait to talk to you again. So, so thank you so much for being part of the show tonight. Thank you so much. I'll look forward to you next time. Bye-bye. Blessings, amigo. Good night. Yeah. Joe, did you hear the names that I just dropped that we didn't even get a chance to talk about with Scott tonight? I mean, is that incredible or what, bro? Oh, that, that uh, man, absolutely. Like, you know, I, I was like, I'm going to ask him the, this question about uh, Onita, and I had no idea that it was that big of a freaking deal. Like, like this dude, wow. <laughs> Holy crap. I'm telling you, bro, I'm going to start a whole other show. It's going to be called Wrestle Talk Podcast, not Wrestle Talk Podcast. Like, we're going to say, it's not going to be nothing to do with wrestling. I, like, dude, I want to ask him about what he thinks about Ryan Garcia and Canelo and all these fights that they're doing now with, like, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones where the legends are getting active again. Holyfield's talking his shit. Bro, I, oh, my God. I have not been this excited after a guest uh, for a while, bro. I, I cannot wait to, to, to talk to Scott once again. But you know what, Joe? We ha- we have to continue. The show must go on. So I believe we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and reignite the High Spot segment and talk a little bit more uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, R- Wrestle Kingdom 15, and we're going to be taking your calls at 657. Somebody type that out for me. we got a lot of people watching right now. 657-383-1521. Call us. Promote your show. Promote yourself. Talk wrestling with us. Night Owl, Nightmare Jones. We'll be back after this break. Right, Joey? Absolutely. Let's do this.
Wrestling fans, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat talking at you, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Customized 
Wrestle Talk podcast mug, all hand engraved. Uh, Twenty bucks plus shipping. Rat bums engraving. Our buddy Scott, another Scott that we love, takes care of us every single time, man. And I've been getting these things out within like a two three week period whenever they get ordered, and they're handmade. So make sure you guys show them some love. And last but not least, Jeremy's going to be joining us here once again. Uh, for the continuation of the high spot segment, but I-70 Sports Media, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, even a little bit of pro wrestling, you guys love your sports and you love Midwest sports in particular, from Chicago to Kansas City and beyond, make sure you guys look up I-70 Sports Media. All that said, Joey, I think it's time to move on because we got about 10, maybe 15 minutes before our next prestigious guest, our second featured guest of the evening, Right here on episode 327 of the WrestleTalk podcast, Chris Bernay. And Chris is an author as well. And you guys, especially in this culture, you guys are going to love to hear what he's written about. Three sisters, 50s, 60s, pro wrestling with some melanin in their skin. Oh, boy, I, I, just cannot, I cannot wait to talk to Chris. This is going to be a fantastic opportunity but before we get there, Joe, why don't we go ahead and uh, reignite the uh, high spot segment, baby? We've got some more wrestling to talk, don't we? Oh, absolutely. We we definitely, definitely, definitely do. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is this beef that's happened since last night between Cardi B and uh, oh, what is her name? Lacey Why Evans. I think Lacey Evans. Yes. Oh my goodness! I don't know if if this is like like a a shoot or if they're like like working up to a a angle where Cody B is going to be wrestling or something. But my goodness, <laughs> um, Joe, all I'm going to say is this: I love when the entertainment business crosses over to the professional wrestling business and vice versa. This. I'm not really sure how to feel about it. And if you guys don't know what I'm what? talking about, go over to either our Instagram, which is at WrestleTalkCast, or our Facebook story, and there's been an altercation between Cardi B and Lacey Evans of the WWE. Cardi B was putting over the WWE. She said some something kind of jokingly. Lacey Evans took offense to it. She responded. They went back and forth. You guys got to go check us out. And if you're not following us, what's wrong with you? You don't have a mug. You're not following us. What are you even doing here? Get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. We love you. <laughs> we love you. WrestleTalkPodcast.com all day. I got to get your thoughts, though, Maestro. Cardi B, Lacey Evans, what the hell is going on here? Uh, I, it, it, what I think it is, because it was a crazy thing, because Tori Wilson, you know, gave Cardi B this shout-out on Raw Legends Night, which – Joe, I must say I actually agree with what you said earlier in the show on the high spots segment about you didn't really think much of it, and I didn't either. But anyway, and, you know, Lacey Evans is this sassy Southern Belle heel, you know, that generates the heat. And much I hate to say it, I don't think Cardi B knew how to take that heat. And it's because of that. That she made it this whole big Hey, hold on, Jeremy. Can, can I just say this? Can I just say this? When somebody immediately makes it racial, doesn't that like doesn't that tell you they kind of lost that fight a little bit? What? Like I was like, yeah. really, Cardi? What is what is Lacey Evans having being a white woman have to do with her talking shit to you on Twitter? Like it didn't even make any sense to me. I'm like, 
Like, I, I would never be scared of a white woman. That, to you, you're right. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't, I don't think she knew how to handle that. Her, her response came off super condescending, and I would say maybe even a little racist. If you don't believe me, like I said, go check our story on Instagram and on Facebook. I don't know what you guys think, I'm but that's how it came you, off to me. I'm telling you, this beef is almost as bad as it would be if Drake Lee would just start a beef with, with the snitch because, you know, you know, both guys are just, you know. Rodell is yeah. a snitch, bro. That's the beef right now. Rodell and the snitch. Rodell and Drake Lee together hey. is just not a good I'm combination. Right to have. Now, I feel bad for Rodell. <laughs> I feel bad for Rodell. The snitch has crossed. The line. I mean, you know, I've 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 never been a fan of the snitch, and I'm definitely not a fan now. What? What the hell is wrong with you, bro? Oh my gosh, Jonesy, bro! It's like you're a completely well. Anyway, you know what? Let's let's get this let's get this train back on the rails, Jeremy. And, and you're the best out of all of us about getting us back online. So let's continue with our conversation about Wrestle Kingdom 15. Because I know we talked a little bit earlier about the differences uh, in the crowd, right? Uh, we talked about right. some of the matchups. And the crowd thing was interesting to me because people couldn't really yell or scream. They were encouraged to just stomp and clap. So there was definitely noise, but it wasn't what you would usually hear at a professional wrestling show, especially not a, a New Japan wrestling, wrestling show. I want you to do me a favor, man. Let's go through a little bit more of that card because there were some who's who of professional wrestling that wrestled both on night one and night two of Wrestle Kingdom 15. Why don't you hit us with it? All right, so I got to tell you who my MVP of Wrestle Kingdom 15 was. And I'm going to explain. Obviously, I'm going to explain why. But my MVP of the entire two-night event is Kota Ibushi, the Golden Star. And I will tell you both why, and everybody listening on the Wrestle Talk podcast, because on night one, he was in the main event against Naito for the IWGP heavyweight and the IWGP intercontinental heavyweight. It was the double championships match, the main event. And the match went over a half hour. It was by far, obviously, you know, this is my perspective, but I would like to think that it was the match of the night by far. It was outstanding, very technical constant counter move wrestling in the match and you could tell you know you guys when you watch wrestling and we both we've all three watched it for a long time you can tell when two wrestlers or two or more wrestlers headed into their match prepared sometimes you'll see a sloppy match and you can say okay they didn't work on things before the match they weren't prepared Naito and Ibushi were more than prepared for this match and it clearly showed and they stole the show for night one. Now, like I said, Wrestle Kingdom's a two-night event. Am I asking, well, why was it significant for night two? Well, let me tell you. The main event for night two, once again, it featured Ibushi. He was, but this time, he was defending those double championships against Switchblade Jay White. And once again, I mean, this one, this match, guys, went nearly 50 minutes. I mean, Fathom wrestling, almost 80 minutes worth of wrestling in two nights. That is insane. That's asinine. And both of them were main events, for the record. Right. He's a double main eventer for the biggest wrestling event. 
in right. almost oh, and right. basically some people could say the whole world. Yep. I would agree with that. And and then that's the thing, like say what you want, like oh like the casual wrestling fan is more familiar with WrestleMania. But the but the uh, the wrestling fans that watch all promotions, all the major ones, a lot of them will tell you Wrestle Kingdom usually blows WrestleMania away. And this is the thing. You know, it being two nights is one thing, but for Ibushi to go out there not one night, but two nights in the main event in double championship matches and going up against two of the best wrestlers, not just in New Japan, but in the world, in Naito and Jay White, he did a phenomenal job in night one and night two. And like I said, it went over 48 minutes, but you see some matches that do go that long. In any promotions, they will at some point or another have a match that will go over 45 minutes, 48 minutes, and sometimes it will drag on. This match did not. From start to finish, I was just enthralled by it, and I was really glad to have been able to witness that, you know. And, yeah, like you, you, know, like you said, Renee, because of everything going on, you know, not just in Japan but in the world with COVID-19, they couldn't scream and shout. And Japanese crowds always have their own traditional way of their affection and appreciation for the wrestlers. But to the best of their abilities for the situations that they're going through in the world, they were into the match beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, I thought overall both main events were outstanding. Ibushi, by far the MVP. I I love that. I love that. Well, I got a two-parter for you, Jeremy, and and they're both quick hitters. Number one, as great as Ibushi was, do you think anybody came out of Wrestle Kingdom a loser? Ooh. Did anybody come out a loser? That's a tough one. I mean, if I really had to. Tag me in. in, But actually, no, it sounds like you got one. I want to hear from you. Go ahead. You know what? I'm going to say it. All right. It was the fifth match of night one. It was when Tanahashi defeated Great Akan. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was a great match. But I think Great Akan didn't really shine well at Wrestle Kingdom. I thought it was a little disappointing on his part, you know, not knocking him personally. But I felt like he kind of came out. If I had to pick somebody that came out of this event a loser because, quite frankly, to me – you can lose a match, you know, and still leave that mark, yep. you know. Like, yep. you can see that wrestler like, oh, he lost the match, but man, I am so glad I watched that match, even though the guy wanted, either wanted to win or wanted to lose one way or another, because he left that mark. Say after, you know, the next night, oh, man, Great Akan did an amazing job. I didn't say that. Really didn't. I thought he he honestly to me came out the loser. If I had to really pick a wrestler from Wrestle Kingdom 15. All right, and, and then here's the part two of that question. Do you think that there will be a show this year? No, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and zero it. In. Will WWE WrestleMania or Royal Rumble be able to top? Okay. I want to make sure I preface this. 
There's the entertainment value. This. There's the publicity. There's all the stuff that, that WWE gets. Let's brush that all off, and let's talk just brass tacks. Pro wrestling-wise, can they match, even on their biggest show, what New Japan Pro Wrestling just put out over the last two nights? Yes or no? Well, shit, if they keep bringing Goldberg back, they're not. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh my gosh. You had to mention it again. You had to mention it again. <laughs> okay, oh. we get a drop for that. Team Goldberg oh, go Wrestle. Watching Goldberg <laughs> Wrestle would be just as bad as seeing Big Maverick versus Curtis Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. What are you talking about? I thought you loved Joss. You got to give me a drop for that. Jeremy Carp, that's your comedic timing. I don't even know if you meant that as a joke. That was perfect. Got him. Got him. He said, oh. shit, no, if they keep bringing back Goldberg. Bro, chill out. <laughs> oh, <my>. <laughs> oh <laughs> Jeremy, well, listen, man, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight, bro. Uh, that was a pleasure, Daddy. to be here. I, I know you didn't have to be here. I know you're not scheduled to be on until next week. And from what I hear, in about two weeks, it's going to be you and me back on the show together uh, as far as cycling or our host duties. Yeah, dude, me too, dude. So thank you so much. Joe, any final thoughts for the maestro before we let him go? Uh, just, uh, you know, thank you for coming on again, as always. It's it's always a pleasure. And until next time, sir. All right, guys. You both are amazing. You keep kicking ass tonight, and I'll talk to you both later, okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. Before we go on, there is one thing I want to say. Uh, my thoughts and prayers go out to Dr. Dre. He is currently in uh, ICU after suffering a uh, brain aneurysm, so... Man, I hope that, 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 that this isn't what we have in store for 2021. And my thoughts and prayers go out to my wrestling godfather, uh, the money man himself, Sonny Money Mayo, uh, R.A.W.'s uh, first ever ring announcer, and also one of my very best friends. Uh, he's at the hospital with his son right now. So, Sonny, we love you, bro. Uh, God God bless you, and hopefully you, you get uh, get that all s- sorted out, and, and uh, Benny will be back home in, in no time. Uh, I did want to do one last thing, Joe, before we moved on uh, to our second featured interview of the evening, and that is I wanted to kind of answer my own question. You know why I think came out the loser at Wrestle Kingdom 15? Who's that? I think John Moxley came out the loser. Bro, I, I get it. Really? His wife's pregnant. His, his wife's pregnant. COVID. There's a lot of things going on. I think he's on a trajectory right now to solidify himself as one of the top guys in the sport right now. Seeing him make an appearance at Wrestle Kingdom would have been special. Now, am I excited for him versus Kenta, the, the, the originator, the creator of the GTS? Am I excited about that happening in the future? Absolutely. But a promo just didn't do it for me, bro. It's New Japan Pro Wrestling's biggest show of the year. They had to make the junior weight uh, uh, championship match the the uh, the match that went before the main. I think is how they ended up putting it on the match yeah. card. I would have really, really, and, and they've been doing this briefcase thing with the number one contendership for the United States Championship. 
for months and months and months now. And, and I know it's easy to blame COVID, bro, but if there was any way possible for Moxley to have been there, I think that he should have been. And when I saw the promo, I was disappointed because I figured there was going to be like a surprise and he was going to show up. And we didn't get that. So I think they missed the mark on that, and I think it would have been a great opportunity for AEW as well. So I don't know what the circumstances are, bro. I don't claim to know anything different from what you guys know. But if that window was there and they, they could have made it happen, they absolutely should have made it happen. They needed somebody like Moxley on that card. I think it would have been good for, for everyone involved for him to be there. So that would have been my loser, whether it was intentional or not, coming out of Wrestle Kingdom 15. All that said, my friends, we still have a second featured interview tonight. And, Joe, with your permission, I'll go ahead and introduce this gentleman. Yeah, go ahead. Is that cool? Okay. All right, perfect. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're sick of hearing me talk, and that's fine because sometimes I get sick of hearing myself talk. We have a guest coming up who is an author. And it's one thing to be an author, but it's somebody it's – it's a whole other thing to be an author that writes material that tell the story of a whole culture in a sense. And, and when you do something like that, you're not only telling the story, you're also helping shift the culture now. And that's exactly what Chris Bournet has done. Uh, he wrote a book, and he's really good at writing, unlike myself, okay, called Lady Wrestler. The Amazing Untold Story of African-American Women in the Ring. We're going to get a chance to talk to him here coming up in just a matter of moments. But let me just say, with everything that's gone on, especially in 2020 and going into 2021, people need to know about books like this. Because we can't mend the fence without getting to know each other a little bit. Okay? So that's exactly what authors like Chris are able to do. So I highly recommend you guys take a moment and do your research, and until you get time to do that, we're going to give you one hell of a kick-ass interview. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and a pleasure to welcome into the Wrestle Talk Podcast, episode 327, for the very first time, that's right, amigos, the one and only author, Chris Bournet. How's it going, Chris? Welcome to the show. How you been? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the introduction. And uh, I'm I'm a music fan of all different kinds of music, and I'm I'm a metal fan, believe it or not. So I I appreciate the uh, the intro music. Okay, okay, yeah, metal. See, you and I are gonna get along very, very well. I always <laughs> say that my first concert I ever went to was a band. You may have heard of them called uh, Twisted Sister. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna take it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, man. We're gonna get along very, very, very well. I'll go ahead and start this this off. So you uh, produced and directed a, a documentary uh, called uh, "Lady Wrestler: The Amazing Untold Story of African American Women in the uh, a Ring" and. Uh, 
you know, I haven't had a chance to watch this, but I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to uh, uh, watch it uh, because it sounds absolutely amazing. What made you want to make this movie, this documentary, yeah. I should say? Yeah, thank you. So just a point of clarification, it is it is a movie, not a book, but I but I am also an author. But this Lady Wrestler is actually a documentary where I got to um, interview um, two – two wrestling legends, Ethel Johnson and Ramona Isbell. And I spoke to the, uh, the children of Ethel's uh, sisters, uh, Babs Wingo and Marva Scott. Um, these three sisters were, uh, were all wrestlers. And Ethel was the only surviving uh, sister. She actually, Ethel actually passed away herself in September of 2018. But um, yeah, I got, I got to talk to her. She was, she was really generous with her time, really easy to talk to as was Ramona Isbell, who, is not related to the three sisters, but was also an African-American wrestler back in the 50s and 60s uh, from the same era as Ethel and her sisters. So what made me want to do it was, um, I mean, I was a wrestling fan when I was young, like in the, the 80s. I was I was really into, like, um, the uh, matches they used to have on WTBS with, like, Hulk Hogan and um, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who I actually got to interview um, Rowdy Roddy Piper for the, uh, for the documentary, of course, before he passed away. But believe it or not, I, I was not aware of these women. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, where most of these women are from. And I never heard about this story until, um, so most of my career has been in print journalism. So a man named Terry Anderson, another African-American man um, like me, uh, he's, he's a publicist. I would call him occasionally for story ideas. And Terry was like, well, uh, you should interview this lady I, who grew up in my, who uh, was in my neighborhood when I was growing up. She was some kind of wrestler or bodybuilder. So Terry actually set me up on an interview with, with Ethel Johnson. And I later found out that Ethel, Ethel's daughter, Shelly Adams, had been trying to, like, get her mother's story, like, publicized for years because her mother, you know, was a superstar back in the 50s and 60s. And after she retired, um, she had kind of, you know, faded into obscurity. And Shelly was trying to get her mother's story out there so people would know it for future generations. And uh, Terry Anderson was kind of helping Shelly get her mother's story out there. So this was this was many years ago, back at the end of 2005. I was when I first met with Ethel, and she had all these amazing stories of traveling all over the world as a wrestler, as a teenager, actually, with her sisters. They they go to Canada and Japan and Australia and all throughout Latin America, and then when they would travel in the deep south you know, being African-American, they would have to stay in segregated hotels and they'd have to deal with, you know, Klan members threatening to to lynch them and run them out of town. And so they really had a lot of really um, amazing experiences, both good and bad. So I originally wrote an article for the local newspaper in Columbus called the Columbus Dispatch. And it came out in March of 2006 during the first weekend of Women's History Month. And that just happened to be the weekend that Arnold Schwarzenegger holds an annual fitness classic in Columbus, which still to this this day he still holds it. I don't know if they're going to have it this year because of COVID. But um, anyway, so wow. Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah Arnold Schwarzenegger's people saw the article and they they actually called me at the newspaper and was like, "Wow, we never knew you know wrestlers like Ethel Johnson existed. We want to give her a lifetime achievement award at the closing ceremony of the uh, Arnold Festival." And so I called Shelly, Ethel's daughter, and um, Shelly was like, well, I'll run it by mom. And I, I could just tell by Shelly's voice that Ethel was not – she was just 
outside of the ring, Ethel was just really shy and really humble, and she didn't like a lot of attention. So Ethel actually turned down this Lifetime Achievement Award from Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I just kind of thought, well, if an international star like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who got his start as a professional bodybuilder, can see the the merit and the value in Ethel's story, then there's really something there beyond a single newspaper article. So I had always wanted to be a filmmaker um, in addition to being a, in a right, in addition to being a writer. So uh, in researching the article on Ethel, I actually came across the documentary Lipstick and Dynamite, which profiled a lot of the women from Ethel's era, you know, like uh, Mildred yeah. Burke and uh, Fabulous Moolah, but they didn't mention any, they only mentioned Babs Wingo, Ethel's oldest sister, but they didn't even show any pictures of her. So I felt like this documentary, even though, you know, I think Lip, Lipstick and Dynamite is a great documentary. I just felt like it kind of left out this huge chapter of history of these black women who were trailblazers. So I just thought if anyone deserves their own documentary, it's, it's these black women who were blazing trails when a lot of women were not even working outside the home yet. So I asked, I asked uh, Ethel if she would be willing to talk on camera, and to my surprise, she actually said yes. And then um, the way I came across Ramona was Ramona's daughter, Joan, actually called me at the newspaper and was like, just so you know, you know, you mentioned my mother in the article, but you misspelled her name. And I said, you know, sorry about that, but, you know, I'm doing this documentary. Do you think she'd be interested in, in talking to me? And Ramona actually agreed as well. So in doing the research, um, I found out there were dozens and dozens of African-American women back in the day who were recruited by Billy Wolf, who was one of the um, first wrestling promoters who really, really took women's wrestling like out of, you know, circus sideshows and made it like a, you know, a top national and international attraction. So Billy Wolf, even though he had kind of a shady reputation for, you know, not paying people what they were worth and kind of being a, a sexist and, you know, Mildred Burke was actually his, his wife, his first wife, but he was, you know, anything but faithful to, to Mildred. But one thing about Billy that was positive was that he was kind of progressive about race relations, and he was inspired by Jackie Robinson and how Jackie Robinson had integrated baseball and brought a lot of new attention to baseball. So he thought if he did the same thing for women's wrestling, that it would sort of take women's wrestling to another level. So he recruited, first he recruited Babs, Ethel's older sister, then Babs recruited Ethel, and then both Babs and Ethel recruited their younger younger sister, Marva. And then Ramona was friends with the three sisters. I think she was actually friends with Babs and kind of got into it through them. And um, so, yeah, that's just that's how I came across the story. Wow. That is is one heck of, of a, a story. And, uh, you know, in, in, in my... Uh, uh, Joni's in pro wrestling. You know, I'm, I'm, I've seen the documentary uh, that you, you, you were talking about, and you know, I just think that that it's so amazing how these women were able to do what they did in a sport that at the time was dominated by by men. Yeah, and not just by men, but by white men. So yeah, they were yeah. they were true yeah. trailblazers. Absolutely. Um. So you said that that you were a big wrestling fan in the eighties. Uh. And mm-hmm. I have one more question before I throw it back to uh, Renee. What is one uh-huh. match that you watched in the eighties that got you into pro wrestling? Oh my God! You are really, <laughs> you are really testing my <laughs> memory. I can't. 
yeah, if I'm going to be completely honest, I can't remember one match, but I was really, really a fan of Rowdy Roddy Piper. I used to, um, I used to like throw myself around in my grandparents' rec room when, when he was on TV, like pretending I was him. So it was really, it was really cool getting to, it was really cool getting to uh, meet and interview him. And he was just, he was just so cool, so easy to talk to. Um, It was was kind of a wild story meeting him because he was at, he was at a, a sci-fi fan convention for the movie they live so he actually went, okay. I actually didn't meet him through uh you know wrestling un- under circumstances where he was talking about his wrestling career but nonetheless he was really cool and really easy to talk to and lived up to all my expectations as a fan from back in the day okay yeah my first uh experience with um roddy roddy piper my my first match i ever saw in wrestle was uh, WrestleMania three when he faced Adrian Adonis in a hail okay. versus hail match. <laughs> wow, wow! And that was 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 uh, where Brutus the the Barber Beefcake turned face and cut Adrian Adonis's hair. Who uh, I absolutely love Adrian Adonis. He was a guy that was like such an amazing, amazing, amazing wrestler. I could talk about Adrian Adonis for days, but Alas, Renee's chomping out the bed. He's sending me messages. He's like, come on, Joe. I want my turn. I, I need to ask these questions. So, Renee, why don't you come in here and ask whatever questions you have? Hey, no, no doubt about it, uh, Joe. And, and I will say, Chris, uh, I apologize in my introduction. I, I was thinking about asking you some questions about the, the book about comedy that you wrote. And I, oh, yeah. I kept saying book. I, I meant documentary. Because I, I, as much as I love pro wrestling, I love comedy. And I think wrestling is, like, awesome about combining the two. I mean, you think yes, about absolutely. now, like, guys like R-Truth and, and even Riddle, uh, for our fans who are a little bit younger and just watch a lot of WWE these days, I think that's always been an integral part of, of professional wrestling. And the fact that you have ties to both, I think is pretty cool. So I apologize for that. No, no worries at all. I, I appreciate you bringing up all jokes aside the book because I'm proud of that as well. No question, and I got I got a couple of questions about that. About that, but here's what I wanted mm-hmm. to start with. So, uh, out of curiosity, do you watch the current product? Are you watching any WWE, NXT, AEW? Do you, do you keep up with any of it? Yeah, I, I have to be completely honest in that I'm not really a wrestling fan per se these days. I sort of grew out of it after middle school, to be completely honest. And I hadn't thought about wrestling. I mean, wrestling was like the furthest furthest thing from my mind when I met Ethel Johnson, but I approached the story of these women wrestlers not from the standpoint of being a wrestling fan. I approached it as an African-American and someone who saw the historical aspect of it. So I was coming from, coming to it as a, as a journalist and like, you know, wanting to document history of my community and someone who grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And this is a long lost chapter of Columbus and Ohio history that's just been, for some reason, we were never taught this in school. I, my first job was at, a, at an African-American newspaper called the Colin Post. Nobody ever mentioned it at the Colin Post, you know, which was, a, you know, black reporters never said, hey, there were these, you know, black women wrestlers back in the day. Um, so it was just, I approached it from the standpoint of just a lost chapter of history. Well, and here, here's what's crazy about it, because I, I do want to, like, maybe bring you up to speed a little bit about where, how far we've come, you know, yeah. and beyond, the, you know, these gals. But I, I'm looking at just some of the stuff on your social guys. You, you have to follow Chris on, on, on social media. 
the, the information and the clips and stuff like that that he provides, teasing uh, the documentary are absolutely incredible. Like, you're looking at pro wrestling cards, like match cards, that say Negro girls on them. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how, fat, far, back, how far back we're, we're, we're going. And now, Chris, uh, you may or may not know this, women, African-American women, are main eventing pay-per-views now. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, we're a long way from the bikini, mud wrestling nonsense of the 80s and 90s. You've got wrestlers from all over the place, Uh, Mexican wrestlers, uh, like Sexy Star, main eventing in Lucha Underground. You've got uh, Sasha Mm -hmm. Banks, Naomi, and and, and Shotzi Blackheart, main eventing for NXT and WWE. I'm I'm curious, do you think that these girls have an appreciation for the battle that the the women in your book fought, or do you think that there's a significant disconnect that I think your documentary is going to help bridge? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, my my sense is that because I was on um, about a year or so ago, I was on Women's Wrestling Weekly, um, and the host there didn't even know about these women either. So my sense is that uh, I interviewed Jeff Lean, who wrote a book about Mildred Burke, the first uh, women's champion who was married to Billy Wolf, and he said he summed it up pretty well. The wrestling industry has amnesia about this chapter of history. So I, I think a lot of the – I mean, I think it's great that so much progress has been made with, you know, women of color, but I, I would venture to guess that a lot of them have never even heard of Ethel Johnson or Babs Wingo or Marva Scott – now, the WWE, they actually came out recently with a uh, video game honoring, like they included Marva Scott in one, in one of their video games. So slowly the history is starting to be uncovered. So there might be people here and there who know about it, but I, I would imagine if you ask the average, you know, uh, black or Latino wrestler today, you know, do Tell me all about Ethel Johnson. They would have no idea who you're talking about. That's that's just my guess. I could be wrong, but that's my sense. No, I think you're pretty hit, pretty much hitting the mark there. And and honestly, I think it's a bit of a shame. Um, because, yeah. You know, being being a, a like an old school hip hop fan from the '80s and '90s, and seeing the disconnect between the artists now and the artists back then, it just I'm yeah. just like, wow. How do you guys even have an appreciation for this? I, a little bit earlier, Joe broke the news that, that Dr. Dre, I don't know if you're a hip-hop fan, but Dr. Dre's in the, in the hospital. He's in ICU right now, as was reported I'm by so TNT. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm like, yo, me too, dude. The guy's an absolute legend. But you stop and think, you go, wow, these kids have no idea how the doors were open for them to be able to, to do what they do and to make hundreds and thousands of dollars uh, a year to, 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 to play a sport. I mean, you think about it, wrestling is – is entertainment and it's a sport, and I think that there's definitely a disconnect there. And I'm, I'm glad that your documentary exists, uh, much like uh, Lipstick and Dynamite, to, to help educate people on stuff like this. So thank you, thank you, thank you for for putting the work in, because I know doing any sort of film or writing or both <laughs> is a lot to ask. How how long did it take you to put this doc together? I'm just curious. Yeah, it, excuse me. It took years and years, not because it actually, like, if I would have worked on it every day consecutively, it would have taken that long. But I started working on it in 2006 and finished, like, a final cut of it in 2018. And like I said, it wasn't because it actually took that long. It's because I, I'm still working full-time as a journalist, so I was kind of doing it, you know, on my off time and as so the wait, women were available. So this was a labor of love? I didn't know yeah. that this was, like, a labor of love for you? 
Yeah, total labor of love. Like I totally self-funded it. I didn't do any crowdfunding or I didn't get any grants. You know, I didn't have a producer who got me money or a studio who backed me. So it was totally self-financed. And I have to really, really uh, give a shout out to Will Haygood, a journalist friend of mine, and, and Jeff Lean, because Jeff, Will Haygood referred me to Jeff Lean, and Jeff Lean referred me to the University of Notre Dame. And that's where I found a lot of that archival material. They have this huge wrestling archive uh, from a, a promoter named Jack Steffer who's like saved everything. And there's just banker's boxes worth of material that I was able to sort through and uh, get copies of a lot of the archival material for the documentary. And that's so cool. So I can already see you, Chris, like digging through the crates in Notre Dame. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's crazy, yeah. man. I, I absolutely love that. that man, what a, what a life you've led so far. And, and, and it hasn't only been focused on professional wrestling. Like I alluded to a little bit earlier, you also wrote a, a book called Old Jokes Aside, Comedy is a Phony Business. Now, I'm going to name some who's who of comedy, regardless of race here. I'm talking about headliners, people that have made millions of dollars in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the comedy world, uh, Dave Chappelle, Steve Harvey, Monique, Dio Hughley. Uh, I have a lot of family in Chicago, and I happen to be a Chicago Bears fan as well as a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Can you talk to us about how you tie in to the, uh, the Chicago comedy scene? Yes. Yeah, so that, that, again, I have to credit my friend, Will Haygood. And Will Haygood and I both started out at the Collins Post newspaper. Will uh, went on to work at the Washington Post, and he wrote the uh, article that the movie The Butler with Oprah Winfrey and um, uh, the actor's name is escaping, Forrest Whitaker. He wrote the article that that the movie was movie. based on. Yeah, so he, he's a hometown hero and a friend of mine. And um, so Raymond – Raymond, so all jokes aside is actually the autobiography of Raymond Lambert. I was the quote-unquote ghostwriter who worked with Raymond to tell this story. So Raymond had called Will at the Washington Post and was like, hey, I read your biography of Sweet uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, and would you um, be interested in collaborating with me on my autobiography? And Will was like, well, I'm working on this, a script for this movie called The Butler right now. I don't really have time, but there's a friend of mine in my hometown of Columbus that would probably be interested. So Will referred Raymond to me, and Raymond and I just over long-distance calls, and every now and then I would drive to Chicago. Raymond just kind of told me his story, and I just kind of, we would take turns writing chapters and kind of editing each other's work. So it was like a total collaboration between Raymond and I. And Raymond just, there was actually a documentary made about uh, the club, all jokes aside, called uh, Funny Business that aired on Showtime. And so Raymond had like reams and reams of interviews of people who had been in the documentary, like Steve Harvey talking about the first time he worked at All Jokes Aside and had to sleep on Raymond's couch because they couldn't afford to put him up in a hotel. Um, he told stories about, uh, believe it or not, Chris Rock being a wallflower. When Raymond picked him up from the airport for his engagement at All Jokes Aside, Chris Rock did not say a word. They went to an after party. Chris Rock just stood in the corner staring out the window. you think Chris Rock would be, you know, cracking jokes and having everybody in stitches, but he barely said a word when he wasn't on stage. Dave Chappelle bombed the first time he was on stage because um, he just he was just kind of green. And um, he said it was like Dave Chappelle was telling these jokes, and it was just like crickets. Like the audience was just staring back at him like, this is the best you got. So that, you know, partly his experience at All Jokes Aside made Dave Chappelle kind of step up his comedy game. So Raymond just has tons and tons of stories, and it was just – it was really an honor and real, uh, really just cool to work with Raymond. Raymond, coincidentally, 
uh, is an investment banker, and his first one of his first big jobs was with Chris Gardner, whose life was the basis of the movie um, The Pursuit of Happiness. So I got to meet Chris Gardner, went to his office where he has all this memorabilia of like Will Smith's costumes that he wore in the movie, and so yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot of history there. No, there's absolutely a lot of history, and uh, and you're helping tell part of that history uh, with, with this doc, man. I, I'm telling you, from the comedy stuff to the wrestling stuff, I'm excited because I absolutely am in love with both of them. Uh, that said, Joe, I want to have you jump in here with any final questions you might have. We definitely want to make sure we respect Chris's time, and then we'll get into uh, potentially the closeout of the show and the game show challenge. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just I don't really have any more more questions. I just just you know, thank you for uh, coming on to the podcast. It's been absolutely the amazing. I mean, you know, just your your stories in pro wrestling and your stories about uh who uh you know, the these ladies were and you know, getting their names out there cuz I know that there's a lot of people that probably didn't know who these ladies were either. And because of you, they're going to know who they are. So that's Thank awesome. You. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's really not about me. It's really about the women and, and their history. I would love to see some kind of statue made of, like, Ethel. Or we have a we have a bridge that has all the uh, images of, like, a lot of the um, prominent African-American um, community figures. I would love to see Ethel or one of her sisters added to that bridge. So I just feel like I've barely scratched the surface with with this story. I just feel like there's so much there's, – there's chapters in chat. Like, actually, this lady named Kathleen Wembley, who was one of the original African-American wrestlers, she actually called me after the, after I completed the documentary, and she has a whole other story. I mean, there, there's just there's just tons of, tons of stories that haven't been told yet, but I'm just – whatever I can do to help get the word out, I'm, I'm, it's, it's my honor to do it. Awesome stuff, Chris. Well, Joe, you know what? Before we close out tonight's show, and Chris, from what I understand in my research, you're you're definitely a cerebral assassin. But from what I understand, (laughs) you're also a bit of a a competitor. You have a competitive bone in your body, and um, I want to test it a little bit in a little bit of a trivia challenge. Okay. So what I would like to do is kick off tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Game Show Challenge, where you will go one-on-one with our very own Nightmare Jones in a little bit of a trivia challenge. Are you up to it? Okay. Yeah. Now, if this is about wrestling trivia, like I said, I I might suck at it, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, up, I'm game for it. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pick these questions on the fly. Some may be okay. wrestling-related and some may not. The way it's going to work, it'll be a two-out-of-three falls matchup, meaning the first person to get two answers correct will be the winner, okay? In okay. order to submit in order to submit your response, as I read the clues, all you have to do is shout out your answer. First person to answer okay. correctly will get a point for that question. Does that sound fair? Cool, yep. All righty, Hardcore Haas, our audio engineer, you know what to do, baby. Let's go ahead and kick off tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge.
Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. In this corner, we have Wrestle Talk Podcast very own, the originator, the creator of the Wrestle Talk Podcast, Nightmare Jones. And in the other corner, representing the great state of Ohio, author, filmmaker, overall badass, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Chris Bernay. Gentlemen, touch gloves. Are you ready to get it on? I'm ready to run. All right. Number one, there have been seven presidents born in the great state of Ohio. Please name one of them. William Howard Taft. William Howard Taft is correct. How did you know that? You have (laughs) one point. (laughs) You're giving him the answers, don't you, Benet? You're messaging him the answer. No, wait a second. No, listen. Uh, Chris Bernay is a man of high integrity and class. Even if I sent him the answers, he wouldn't read them, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Yeah, even, even though you did send me the answer, I did know it. So. No, wait a minute. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right. Question number two. There have been many professional wrestlers that have made it to WWE hailing from the great state of Ohio. I'm going to name several. All you have to, I'm going to provide several names. When you hear a name that you know for sure hails from the great state of Ohio, go ahead and let me know. Here they are. Here are the four names. Perry Saturn, Randy Savage, Shark Boy, and Al Snow. Mm. Which one of those gentlemen say- – it's from the great state of Ohio. I'm going to say Al Snow. Nightmare Jones, you are 100% correct. Al Snow of Ohio Valley Wrestling, shout out to our friends over at OVW, is from the great state of Ohio. We are currently tied 1-1. Here it goes, gentlemen. Okay? I'm Here ready. All right. Looking, I want to make sure I get my questions straight. Okay. The great state of Ohio is known as the Buckeye State. How did the state acquire that nickname? Because the Buckeye plant flower uh, grows here. It's one of the native plant species here or trees. That is correct. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner on his first appearance on the Rest Talk podcast. The one and only Chris Bernay has won tonight's challenge. Hardcore Hoss, hit that music. That's not cool. 
Yeah, you cheated you, me, Janae. Like no, you, 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 you killed it with the Al Snow one because that was that stumped me for sure. Yeah. All, by the way, I totally every guess. name. Wait a minute, a minute. Here's what you guys are gonna love. Every name I gave you: Perry Saturn, <laughs> Randy Savage, Sharp Boy, and Al Snow. They're all from Ohio. So you could pick wow. any one of them. <laughs> wow. So you educated. You educated me. <laughs> yeah, you educate. You, absolutely, you educate. I'd heard Randy Savage, and I was about to say that, but you really educated me. <laughs> well, listen, Chris. All you got to do is tune in to Wrestle Talk every Tuesday at uh, 7 p.m. Central Time. We, you know, we're all we're both Midwestern guys now. Joe's over in West Virginia. But man, let me say these two things. Number one, we got to have you back on the show, man. I feel like we base barely just scratched the surface uh, on these projects that you put out. Uh, which I think are going to really make a difference, not only in the world of entertainment, but specifically a uh, in the world uh, of professional wrestling and comedy. So thank you for that. We want you back. And number two, man, allow me and Joe to be the first to welcome you in as the newest member of the WrestleTalk family. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy to be a part of the family. I really enjoy talking to you guys, and I look forward to coming back. And if I can, I just want to say Lady Wrestler is going to debut on Amazon Prime Video on February 16th during Black History Month. And uh, you can uh, find out all about Lady Wrestler at the website, LadyWrestlerMovie.com, and on Facebook at Lady Wrestler Movie. Joe, any final thoughts? Oh, just thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on to the podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. Do not be a stranger, and welcome to the Wrestler Talk Podcast family. Thank you guys so oh, much. Yeah. This was fun. I really appreciate it. It's an it. honor. No, Chris, thank you again, guys. Lady Wrestler, the amazing untold story of African-American women in the ring, debuting on Amazon Prime in February. You can get your lazy ass and go look it up online right now and download it. The story of sisters Babwingo, Ethel Johnson, and Marva Scott, uh, all produced and, and created from the crazy intelligent brain of the one and only Chris Bernay. Chris, thank you so much, man. Have a great night and be safe out there, okay? Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Wow. LadyWrestler.com. Joe, that's how we get down episode 327 in the books. What did you think, man? That was pretty outstanding, right? Uh, absolutely. It was so much fun. So much fun tonight. I, man, what a oh, way, show. And lady, next week's oh, going to be lady, even better. Lady and the week after the that's going to be even better. And I just love doing the Investor Talk podcast every day. Me too. Every day. Me too, absolutely, bro. And again, it's LadyWrestlerMovie.com. Thank you to all of the members of the Wrestle Talk family that joined us today. Uh, Drake Lee for calling in. Uh, the Maestro, Jeremy Carp, Skywalker, Luke Roberts, our wonderful audio engineer, uh, Hardcore Hoss, and ultimately our amazing guest, man. That that first hour with Scott was incredible. The second hour with Chris, I really, really wish that we had more time with these guys. What we're going to try to do is schedule them, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks down the road, maybe a month or two, give it a little bit of room to breathe. We'll bring them back on and continue uh, the awesome conversations. Uh, I guess uh, to close out tonight's show, again, rest in peace, Brody Lee. We love you. God bless you. Uh, shout out to I-70 Sports Media, Rat Funds and Gravy, The Conspiracy Farm with Pat Milicic and Jay Hollywood, Royal Mills Transportation, Esports Bar KC and the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion, the Fantasy Wrestling 
worldwide chapter. I am the Night Owl. He is Jonesy. He's all backwards today. I don't even know what the hell's going on with him. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. We're available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. We got some music queuing up because we are done. We are out of here. Buenas noches. Grace and peace to everybody. Adios. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.